All right, welcome everyone to Equal Time Soccer. We will give Maya a minute to join. Um, today's chat is with Maya Hayes. She is the new University of Minnesota assistant soccer coach. She comes from Auburn where she was an assistant during uh, grad assistant while getting her master's degree. Prior to that, she was playing in the big leagues for Sky Blue in the NWSL. Um, and she was a stud at Penn State uh, prior to the equal time soccer era of covering the Gophers. Um, but she was just a prolific uh, forward for them, a multiple time All-America, multiple time All-Big Ten, academic All-America, every single award um, that's there. Uh, she also played for the youth national team. So she actually has some overlap with um, folks we've talked with before, like for example, Minnesotan uh, Cassie Coleman. She grew up in the New Jersey area. And so we'll, we'll talk to her about that because the Sky Blue are obviously playing in the tournament now. Um, and then now comes the time where I just vamp until uh, she joins. But uh, Maya comes in after a little bit of a gap. Obviously, Molly Rouse left um, to take a head coaching gig at Dixie State in their transition to Division I. Um, and so that job was kind of held open maybe a little longer than usual because of COVID. There was a hiring freeze. But we had mentioned this earlier. I, I posted this on social media. The fact that the job didn't get trimmed, I mean, I know the, the program is valued, but this, these are crazy budgetary times. The fact that the coaching position was able to stay there and it, they weren't forced to trim that down to part-time or some, some, um, some lesser number, I think is a really big signal from the athletic department that values the, the soccer program. I mean, other schools are literally cutting um, soccer, mostly on the men's side, but still. Um, so we'll we'll get a chance to chat with her about how long, maybe that hiring process was a little longer, maybe not, we'll have a chance to ask her about that. Um, from what we hear, she'll be doing her first chunk of work uh, virtually, as almost all of us have been doing, but, you know, believe it or not, we're getting kind of closer to camp time, so we also hear she may be in state um, by, you know, partway through July, I'm sure moving from down in Auburn up here uh, will be a little bit of a hike, so uh, we'll see if... Hopefully Maya joins soon so you all can stop listening to me vamp. Um, there's been a few other Gophers announcements recently that were, were kind of nice to see today. There was academic awards listed and the, the soccer program always does a really good job academically. Um, but then earlier we also had an announcement of the captains for next year and I'm going to maybe do a piece about that. It was an interesting breakdown of kind of a six-player leadership circle and we've heard that that, that circle has sort of existed um, since the spring, so that's sort of a longer standing, uh, a longer standing group, and then uh, within that six is where they, where they basically chose the three captains. So, I think that'll be interesting to see how it plays out this fall. Uh, they obviously had a tough year last year, but from all I hear, it's a really good mix of, of girls on the team, um, and so I think things should should go well. Still, still waiting on Maya. Maya is probably watching but make testing my vamping ability because she knows the parents want to keep me to a high standard. Oh, there we go. Maya, we are going to try and pull you in here. There we go. Let's see as soon as we get her in here. Then the show will really start. Maya, how's it going? Good. How are you? Oh my gosh, you you rescued me. I was vamping. I was filling time, and the parents, <laughs> the parents were getting frustrated. They see too much of me. They were getting tired of me. 
Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> oh my gosh, I gave uh, you know I gave as good an introduction for you as I could um, before you came on, but I mean the biggest thing is, holy cow! Welcome to the program. Uh, you know, this, <laughs> this opening has been held open a little bit longer than usual due to COVID and hiring freezes and all that stuff, but. Um, you know, since Molly left and, and left that staff opening, I know folks like me have been wondering what direction do they go in? A lot of the times programs add, you know, you see alums come back like Molly mm -hmm. was. And, and mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I've been super curious to see which direction Steph went in for this hire. So first of all, welcome to the program. And then also talk about how you ended up applying and what sort of drew you to um, try and join the program at Minnesota. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, excited to be here and um, excited to have this opportunity for sure. Um, honestly, it, it was kind of a whirlwind and kind of out of nowhere. I think that the job opened, but it wasn't necessarily posted. Um, right. So I think and of course, word travels fast in the soccer world. Um, so it was actually a combination of um, Steph having an idea probably having an idea about what she wanted um, for this hire and then also using her own resources. So to my knowledge, she reached out to um, my college coach, Eric Dombach at Penn State and kind of just asked for a short list of, of people that that uh, she thought would fit, fit the position. And um, to my understanding, my name happened to be on that list. And um, I guess conversation ensued from there. And then I also, uh, I know that Becky has a connection to Karen Hoppe at Auburn. So it was a lot of connections going on and, and a lot of back and forth. And finally, I, I think around the beginning of May or so, I finally got on the phone with each of them just to kind of discuss um, what the what the position entailed and, and what they were looking for and, and my own um, just background and, and all the things. Um, and just honestly, I, I think – from there, it kind of just took off, had really got good conversation with each of them, uh, with Becky and Steph, and um, just chatted. It wasn't really structured. It wasn't really formal. Just getting to know them and uh, feeling each other, one another out. And, and honestly, it just it seemed like a good fit, um, just even from those conversations, and then um, took off from there, to be fair. Uh, and I think, to be honest with you, obviously, I playing in the Big Ten for four years and having the pleasure of playing against Steph um, at multiple programs, but obviously a few years at Minnesota um, and being on the receiving end of some losses or some loss and ties and definitely, definitely uh, making my, my life a little bit, little, little bit of hell. Um, <laughs> definitely appreciated what she was able to do right off the bat at that program and the culture that she built. And so uh, there's connection piece there. And then a couple years ago, um, 2018 season last time when they won the big 10 tournament, um, they actually came down to Auburn <laughs> to uh, play Auburn in the first round of the big, of the NCAA tournament. And so again, some connection and um, yeah, just kind of, it seems like they always just kept popping up and I always yeah. seem to be on the receiving end of some losses. <laughs> so I figured that it was time to join for forces and, uh, and join the join the good guys and get some wins instead of being being beat all the time. But um, but yeah, well, just really you, really excited for the opportunity. Well, and you were down. So you mentioned you were at Auburn and you were a grad assistant there. So I'm assuming you you wrapped up your masters and that was sort of the the reason you had a a pivot point of okay, well now let's jump into a full time gig and you know now that I have my degree and all that stuff. Yeah, it was kind of this weird transition because because life in COVID and <laughs> a pandemic. Um, 
I mean, the summer is already kind of a wonky time in terms of job openings and they come at weird times and I know opportunities kind of pop up and you take them when you can. Um, and so from that regard, uh, wasn't really sure if things would pop up over the summertime, especially with COVID. Um, and so I was actually expecting to just stay on at Auburn and be the volunteer assistant. Um, and yeah, and then this process and this, this opportunity popped up out of nowhere, kind of <laughs> what it feels like. Um, yeah. and I've been super gracious for it and, uh, really excited, obviously going forward. And I mentioned before you came on, you know, before that you were playing in the NWSL. So let's mm -hmm. give it up for this. There's the only reason <laughs> there Budweiser it is, is there it is. This, it's either, it's either Budweiser or actual local beer. So Budweiser, good for you. Love that. Love that. NWSL, so Pre mission accomplished. Appreciate so you, it. Love that. That was, that was your previous stop. And I'm, this is sort of, I didn't plan on making it this segment. There's sometimes I say the internet said it and make you respond to whether it's true or not. Your mm. Wikipedia page, which credit to you, pretty good Wikipedia page, <laughs> says, says that when you walked away from your NWSL career to be a grad assistant in Auburn, it was not an official retirement. So I'm just going to give you a platform right now. If you have anything <laughs> you'd like to say about your playing career, uh, you, you have the floor now. Um, well, I appreciate that. Um, honestly, I still, I still don't think I would completely close that door if I'm being <laughs> honest. I think that that's the thing about just the timing and my reasoning, I think, for, for stepping away. Um, it was never because I wasn't capable um, of playing right. anymore or I didn't enjoy the game. Obviously, I'm still very much connected to the game. <laughs> so it was, it was never for any of those reasons, which are some of the reasons that people usually do step away, right? And so... Um, I think having that said, uh, I still don't feel like I couldn't play, you know. I, um, I love it. I lo don't close the door. Expansion, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you if, never know. If Minnesota got a team, you know. Who exactly. You never know. You After never know. You know you here, then you'll have all the Minnesota fans at your back. I love it. Don't close the door. Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not making that official it. announcement. <laughs> Well, and you, I mean, during those years, you said, you know, you could obviously play. You had at least one year where, you know, five goals, four assists, like very productive mm -hmm. in a super competitive league. You also played with some really, I mean, top world-class, best-in-the-world players, both in that process and also in your time with the youth national team. Um, mm -hmm. How do you, you know, you know, at Auburn, you really had a chance to try and take that and turn it into kind of take playing expertise and turn it into coaching resources and how do I use this to help other players talk mm -hmm. about how you you know how did you have to learn through that process and what what did you learn down in Auburn that now you feel more confident in oh here's how I use my experience to help these younger players and to share what I learned even though we might be different different mindset different mm -hmm. skills you know mm -hmm. talk about going through that process of taking all that really high level experience and giving it to someone else which is way different than being a player internalizing right and Right. I think part part of what was super helpful for me is that even as I was playing, um, and I, I consider this throughout my collegiate career as well as um, my professional career, um, you start thinking like a coach um, in the sense of you start to see the game, I guess I should say, like a coach. Um, and, and you're trying to look for obviously weaknesses within the opponent and your strengths and where you can capitalize and all those good things. And so even from the standpoint of like, I found myself in my last season playing, like even like training sessions, like this is going to sound weird, but like even training sessions that we were doing that, like as a player, you usually just, okay, I'm, I'm practicing, I'm going through a training session and that's it. Right. Um, and I found myself like, 
really like enthralled by these drills we do or something like like and like actually taking note of different drills like that sounds crazy but um so I think my coaching brain was always there to be honest so I, I don't think that was as much of a transition as uh as I might have expected it to be um just from the way that I already thought about the game and then in terms of my experience at Auburn um it was a unique one in the sense of just play rules I, I wasn't allowed to actually coach the players um I can right. go through somebody so if I uh, the the coach that I worked most closely with was our attacking coach and if I saw something I could relay that information to whoever through him but it just could never come directly from me to a player um so with that being said uh, I think it almost allowed me um to develop relationships with the players in different ways um and to kind of become a co- confidant in a way for some of those right. players and to develop that kind of um, that piece that, that that realization for them, like I didn't control playing time for them. Right. So it allowed them right. to be maybe a little more forthcoming or, or trusting, I guess, in me. Um, and I think that in and of itself is something that I'll absolutely carry with me forever <laughs> um, right. because it just, it showed me the value in those types of relationships and something that to be fair, it's why I got into coaching and wanted to get into coaching to begin with is because as a, as a collegiate player going through the Penn State soccer program, I never felt like just a player, right? I felt the value um, as a person and that they cared about me as a person and my growth as a person throughout those four years. And they're between Ann Cook and, uh, and Eric Dombach, they're two of the closest people I'm still close with today, right? Um, and so just goes to show that, that how strong that relationship was. And so again, coming full circle, um, in terms of my wife getting into coaching and, and things that I brought with me, it just kind of reiterated my experience at Auburn kind of reiterated that value um, that when you put it into your, your student athletes, um, the production that you can get out of them um, because right. there, there's a trusting and honest relationship there. Um, and, and that's super important, I think, in, in terms of being successful. Um, and Well, and, you part of what you said about being a grad assistant and so you kind of have a, a different relationship with the um, with the athletes, the players, than the head coach because mm-hmm. the head coach also has to be the bad mm-hmm. guy. Of, no, you're not playing mm-hmm. all that stuff. Right, I, right. I think a lot of that is also true just of assistant coaches versus exactly, I mean, this, exactly. The difference I hear um, coaches talk about when they go from being assistant to being a head coach, they're like, "Oh man, I I did not fully get it." Like until you have to be exactly coach because yep. as an assistant, you can you're sort of that triangulating mm-hmm. person where you're like listen, I know, like, I know Steph can be hard on you. Listen, you know, you can be the one to kind of, like, help yep. someone well. Yep. Well, they're yep. like, man, coach isn't playing me, and you're like, I right. Know, I <laughs> right, right. It's, yeah. it's in, it allows you, and I, I think, again, my experience at Auburn, in a lot of ways, I, I was that sounding board, um, and so you learn those skills and, and how to navigate those, those relationships and those conversations, and I think, again, things that I will carry with me um, absolutely to this opportunity with Minnesota, and forever after that um but yeah you had so another another experience i want to i want to pull out just because i'm not sure how many minnesotans are on this or who will listen but you played in the the 2012 u20 world cup where you mm-hmm. won the championship world champions mm-hmm. at the u20 level yep. over in japan right and yep. you played with minnesotan cassie coleman yeah and of course the coleman i was texting like, her earlier today <laughs> they're like the Minnesota soccer Kennedys, they're like, yep. <laughs> they're, they're a big deal. Yeah, you, you won that tournament on that team, but you actually were also on the 2010 team that mm-hmm. fell that fell in the first knockout round. So you've mm-hmm. been through, I think, very different versions of 
you know, going into that, first of all, just going into that national team setup, I think mm -hmm. is so different than any other type of, absolutely. You, know, you, you have to build chemistry like that and you have mm -hmm. to quickly learn how to be a team and all those things. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've had both sides of it. And obviously, you know, Minnesota's most recent example of someone playing at that level is Katie Duong, who mm -hmm. went through the CONCACAF championship process. And now the U20 World Championship was going to be World Cup was going to be this summer and got pushed. Right. We'll, we'll see if it does happen in the winter. But for you, what did that national team experience do in terms of your confidence back on the, you know, the, the college side mm -hmm. and then the professional side in terms of building your confidence. And what are some of those tricks of how to get the most out of that that you might try and pass on to Katie or other young players who mm -hmm. get called in and have this very weird, but very flattering and very, you know, cool experience, but at the mm -hmm. same time, how do you get the most out of it? You know, what are some of those things you might try and translate for them? So I actually would say for me personally, it was a little bit flipped. So you talked about how, how did I translate my national team experience to my collegiate um, collegiate experience and, and coming back into that fold? I would actually say it was opposite for me, I think, in, in terms of the confidence piece. I think that it was absolutely my collegiate experience that fueled my confidence, that allowed me to carry that confidence over into the national team. Um, and I think that overall that's kind of where I would start in terms of um, giving advice or, or whatever to – other athletes that are involved in that in that process or interested in that process of of going that distance um it's kind of remembering where you came from and that sounds very simple um but i think that's the kind of the start of it right because i think to your point and that's a unique experience and it's definitely a competitive atmosphere so it's easy to get into those atmospheres and kind of lose yourself um and and obviously you're playing with the best of the best at the highest level um, so sometimes, yeah, you definitely do lose yourself and may maybe start to question of why am I here? Right. Like I'm not, I'm right. not, I'm not, I'm not fitting this. Right. And so right. I think that's why I say it's reverse. Right. I think that confidence that you build, um, within your collegiate teams, obviously that's how you got noticed in the first place. Like they, um, they called me in for a reason. They exactly. 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 And so it kind of, to me, it comes back down to that of like realizing where you came from and knowing what you're good at. Right. They brought you in for a reason. Um, and, and you don't go into that national team. Yes, you go in there to get better. Um, but at the end of the day, you're there to showcase what you were capable of and what your, what your attributes and your strengths are. And so, um, I think it's easy to get into that environment and realize all the things you're not good at, um, because maybe somebody else is better. Um, right. but obviously again, you were there for a reason and you have to capitalize on your moment and, and really remember your strengths and your right. purpose, I guess. Right. Like you go, you go in and you see people doing, you know, crazy volume, mm -hmm. crazy <laughs> exactly like, oh all right exactly exactly oh, maybe finisher, maybe i'm crazy. not supposed to yeah exactly exactly 100 <laughs> percent. so it's just remembering your, your purpose your why and right the, the reason you're there in the first place it's i've definitely heard that from even players when they get the um like get a chance to go to an nwsl camp or they go mm -hmm. in and if they're not you know like a first round pick who's guaranteed a spot they go in and they're just the mindset is like holy shit, I'm playing with yeah. women and like I've yep. watched them on TV. I've watched them yep. in the World Cup. I've watched them play every week. And it's kind of like, it's so easy to get negative. Yeah. You're also, you might not know other girls. You might be by right. yourself, you know? So it's it's like so individual. It's like, do I have the ability mm -hmm. to keep that confidence in myself? Because mm -hmm. if I'm not confident, I'm not going to play well. But it's like mm -hmm. so much, someone like me who's never been in that scenario. <laughs> like, oh my God, it'd be so right. much. Right. 
right. like the weight on your shoulders, like weighing. Right. Um, I, I think that it, I think it's interesting though because it's like I, to be fair, I I I I hesitate to say that I was ever a player or a person in general to get starstruck, um, <laughs> and so I think that maybe allowed me to kind of quiet right. that noise, so to speak. Um, but also, I think that in general. Um, that purpose and that why is so important, especially in a professional atmosphere, right? Because you're constantly competing. And while you're competing for the same team, um, you're obviously competing for spots within that team. <laughs> and so yeah. you, who knows who you're competing with? And so I think that, again, that purpose and that why is super important to keep in mind and to remember. Um, and like, I think... Guys, no, no big deal. It's just Sam Kerr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just trying but that's the, to... That's the thing. Like, when you get into these environments, like especially the end of cell environments and you all are there for a common goal and a common purpose and you all can relate to one another. Um, that like, to me, the status goes out the window, like to the outside world. Yes. Like those players are perceived as that, but at the end of the day, like playing with the players that I, I was so fortunate and so grateful enough to play with, like they were my teammates and friends, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and very easy to talk to and, and just, people right. <laughs> right um but yeah and, and yes you do realize when you're in the when you're in out, outside settings and the the status that they have and that celebrity <laughs> status that they have it, it quickly you realize you're like oh yeah I forgot I forgot for a second right but but right. obviously when you're when you're talking to them and when you're with them on the daily basis you're not you're not with oh I'm with Kelly O'Hara oh I'm with Christy Rampone like it's it's not like that right like it's like right. they're just right. your friends your, your teammates right because they go from being just the idea of a person to a real person. It's like, exactly. Oh no, she's like this in practice. Oh, she doesn't. Yeah, like, yeah. She's bad at this. Oh, she's good at this. She goofs up like that. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, you're coming. I I do want to make sure we talk a little about a little bit about something bigger than soccer, just because Minnesota has been in the spotlight so much after the murder of George Floyd, and also because Minnesota, frankly, has had a long-standing issue with racial disparities. I mean, we're a state that's wonderful to live in especially if you're white and then otherwise, frankly, not so much. And mm -hmm. I think people are starting to have their eyes open to that a little bit more, but yeah. also Minnesota has a long history of having athletes step up and be really outspoken on the need for reform on these issues. So like the links, you know, the Minnesota links were, were doing protests, I mm -hmm. think before Colin Kaepernick. I mean, mm -hmm. we've, we've had really visible folks. Um, and then even in the soccer side, you know, Ike Opara helping create the Black Players Coalition and the MLS. I mean, he has been on his podcast, on social media. His, I guess his wife works in the space here. I mean, he has been so visible and so, you know, so prominent in calling up these issues that we need to change. And so, I mean, what can, but for, you know, for folks who are listening, for even like me when we're amplifying this stuff, what can listeners and fans do to support athletes to use that voice? I mean, what can we do? to help the Minnesota women's soccer community specifically make people in that community who want to stand up, you know, what can we all do to make sure that it's a, it's an environment where we're encouraging that, where we're supporting that and where we can play a good role in amplifying that. I think it starts first, honestly, with intentional education. Um, and I, and that's something that you're seeing obviously a lot more of. Um, and, and that it's obviously a super positive thing. Um, but I think that, um, and that in and of itself is a, is a whole topic that we could probably talk about. The simple fact that you do have to go and educate yourself instead of that something being taught in our school systems. 
um, just right. as just as how we learn about Col Christopher Columbus, I'm, right? Like, unfortunately, we have to do it ourselves. <laughs> exactly. So that I think, to be honest, I could probably go on a whole tangent about that in and of itself. But um, I think it starts with intentional education first, because um, I think that um, that's the difference between a moment and a movement. And when it's just when you're just doing it just to do it, and you don't have a connection or a reasoning or an understanding as to why you're doing it, that's why it's so short lived. So I think it starts there um, because again, we're talking, we've been talking about whys and we've been talking about purposes. Um, there has to be a purpose behind it and a real understanding behind it. Um, and so I think once you're there, I think to me, in, in all honesty, like there, there are so, so, so very many ways um, to be supportive and to uplift and to empower to me, it's, it's for the people that might be questioning, like, how do I fit into this equation? It's very simple. And to me, it's very simple in that you, it starts in your inner circles. Um, and specifically in the soccer community, you can uplift, uplift the Minnesota soccer community and these, Minnesota, these athletes at Minnesota and in general across the country by starting in your inner circles, right? Because those are the conversations that I'm not a part of. So I can't, I don't have a voice in that conversation. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's having it's having a voice for those that you stand with and stand for and stand up for um, and believe in. Um, it's it's you feeling um, the need uh, to me um, to speak up in those situations to empower us, and that's and that's how you empower to me um, is it because that's where it starts, and that's to be honest, that's sometimes the only places that you might see it. Um, right is the, in, in your inner, inner innermost circles. And so having the courage uh, to step up and um, have those conversations. And, and that seems very straightforward and very simple, um, but it's something that you can do very easily and, and very often. Um, and it, it, I think that intentional education will allow you to become more aware of what right. is happening in your inner circles, right? Because without it, that intentional education, um, things that might have been happening around you for however long, you might never realize because you're not educated on it, right? Right. Um, so it's, it's again, it's hard to step up to something um, or, or push something to be a movement um, if you don't even, if you're not even aware of it. I think that's such a that's such a good point and such a good way to put it. And like, you have to start where you are. Like, start with your folks, the people you talk to all the time, your relatives, your friends, your coworkers, whatever. You know, for me, when I'm in incredibly white spaces, like. It's, I think people have a hard time understanding. It's, it seems like a really big change. It's like, how do I, if I've never spoken up about this before, is it a big change that now I all of a sudden have to always speak up about it? But I actually think the reason it's so hard is because it's actually a lot of small decisions. It's that mm -hmm. you can let them go by. It's mm -hmm. like when you're in the moment, if you let mm -hmm. the moment go by, it's easier and you don't right. have to try and call something out. Right. So I think, it's, I think it's even harder because it's so many small ones that seem small at the time, but they add up to such a big, mm -hmm. a big thing. Right. And so I think what you said is so, is so important for us to amplify of start with the people you talk to. You know, when you hear something that really doesn't seem right or, you know, now that you've done some reading, like it doesn't feel right for them to be saying that. Right. Find your own way to call it out, and in a, yep. you know whatever way, respectful, angry. Find yep. find the way. Find the way you do it. It's honestly like so. We we always talk about like the bystander effect, right? right. And we talk about it from obviously usually violent or physical situations, and right. it's 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 always this kind of this little uh, this saying that we have of like see something, say something, right? Yep. Well, it's the same thing. It's very simple, right. but it's hear something, say something, right? right. And it, again, if it's something that you truly believe in. 
um, you will stand up for the cause, right? right? And and that sounds so simple, but it's the same nuance, right? It's the same it's the same message, um, but just for some reason it doesn't get a, applied to to racial situations. Um, right. And and it's very simple for me. It's being a good person. Right. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. That's right. the difference. Like there's no like I don't need you to stand in the middle of the, in the street and beat beat on your chest and and yell Black right. Lives Matter at this. Like I, that's not what I need. That's not what these athletes need, and that's not what Black people in America need. Um, right. Starts in your inner circles, and it's it's very simple. Just be a good person, right? Like do right. do for others what you would want people to do for you. Right. Well, and I simple. Think well, and I think that I mean, there's a lot. Frankly, there's a lot of soccer spaces and women's soccer spaces that are, you know, overwhelmingly white or predominantly mm -hmm. white, you know, in, in part because of, you know, whatever, the concentration of suburban clubs, whatever, the fact mm -hmm. that we don't invest in, in access as much as we invest in other types of development, all that type of stuff. So frankly, the people who follow this stuff for sure have an opportunity to make a difference because yes. I can tell you as a white Minnesotan, we are in white spaces all the time. <laughs> There's enough. opportunity. There's low hanging yes. fruit. So, yes. um, you know, I appreciate you being willing to, to speak to that because, you know, as you said, it's, it's, not on, it's not on people like you to help make the change. It's on people like us who have to talk to our people and, and you know, Black people did not create racism. So it's on, it's on yes. us to yes. make that change. So I appreciate Thank you being you. willing to put in the work to help us amplify that for sure. Yeah, um, of course. And so, I mean, really, this is a, like you said, summer is kind of a, to pivot back to the Gophers, summer is a, is a unique time to come on board and COVID makes it a, a you know, ten, tenfold unique time to come on board. Mm -hmm. um, but when you, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of protocols. I'm sure the season will look a lot different than usual, but we do, you know, theoretically have a season coming up. So for you, right. you know, what, what is your plan for how to actually get on board and actually <laughs> come, come, you know, up north to the, to the sticks and uh, be part of the program? And what does that first, you know, first few weeks or a couple months look like for you? Um, yeah, I think, I, honestly, I think there's way too many question marks to even try to <laughs> try to put into context what, uh, what this next, I guess, month to two months is going to look like. Um, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. But I think overall, if I'm just answering what I want out of this season um, and, and Minnesota success going forward is to just – I actually mentioned this on a call earlier um, of just changing our mentality around goal scoring um, to, to me and something that I reiterate and, and will continue to do so is that goal scoring is, an, is absolutely a mentality. Um, and I think sometimes it's looked at as, oh, you were just in the right place at the right time and whatever right. else. But, but even if you are in the right place at the right time, how many times have we seen the perfect ball cut back on the ground and the person standing at the top of the six yard box and they still skyrocket it, right? right. So that's the, that's the perfect, right, right? You're in the right place at the right time, um, but then you can't execute. And so I think it's shifting our, our mentality around what goal scoring looks like and how to, how to go about it. And, and for me, um, it's making sure that it is a daily focus for us in training so that when we get to games, there, there is that execution piece. Um, because you go back and look at the schedule from, from last year and the results from last year, how many games were just one nothing? Or two nothing. Like th I think there was one game where uh, Minnesota lost. I think three or four nothing, and it was the last game of the season against Illinois. Right. Yeah. Every other game was by one or two goals. Right. right? So to me, you were ne they were never out of those games. Right. But yeah. it was a mentality of, and in a lot of ways, to be honest, and a mentality in a lot of ways. But from that goal scoring aspect specifically, um, 
it's that execution piece and under having the understanding that goals don't have to come from one person, right? You don't have to have one goal scorer. Uh, Everybody is capable of scoring goals, right? So shifting that mentality. um, You have have no idea how hard I work to stay calm during that speech and not like jump up and hug you digitally. (laughs) I've always joked, um, you know, the go for, for those who have followed the program, you know, the things I would describe as the team being known for, is, you know, over my time, over the four-ish years I've covered the team, is, you know, at times, you know, a game they'll really be known for, like, a good press, putting together a complete press, um, more, maybe more so in the earlier time I was I was covering the team. And then other times it's very much just really good combination play and passing, solid defending, all of those mm-hmm. things. And I've always joked with Steph, I said, do you ever recruit girls who are just like, F you, I'm going to score? I'm like, <laughs> And she says, well, yeah, but if you recruit just like individual players like that, a lot of the times an individual player like that might be that way because they're also kind of F you in a lot mm. of other ways. Like, yeah, that's yes, paraphrasing. yes, yes, but yes. I think, I think your, the way you said it has to be um, a, a team mentality is, I think, so true. That's why people who follow my live tweets and stuff will know Anytime people are willing to take chances from distance, every time, anytime people are like willing to go for it, like actually yeah. trying to tap yeah. and go to the net, uh, we're yeah. always amplifying the hell out of that stuff because I'm just right. like, such a sucker for let's do it, let's put some muscle on it, and let's see what Absolutely. we can I mean, for, exactly. for you in the like, how did you, um, how do you do some of that? I mean, because you, I think of the example of like really great players don't always have an easy time being coaches. And I assume, I'm sure it's the same with like, you were an incredible scorer, mm-hmm. but how, how have you learned to try and like coach, you know, score like that mentality stuff in scoring? Yeah. Because, you know, for all I know, you're a, you're like a magically gifted finisher <laughs> from, from birth, but how do you help coach that up in players who are maybe natural passers or maybe right. they're kind of like, um, maybe they can shoot well, but don't shoot often, you know? Yes. How do, what are some things that you do to try and coach that up? Because I think your your statement just now made me like super excited about seeing if if we get some girls, you know, taking more yeah. chances and all that kind of stuff. So I'll first start with that. I think that, for example, you referenced the player that's a good passer that uh, maybe maybe they can shoot and they just don't. I right. think overall, it's, it's starting things off with giving the players the license to do so. Right. Right. Like, I'm not going to criticize, for example, you talk about like shots from distance. Like, I'm not going to criticize you for taking a shot from distance. Like if you're taking it from the halfway line, that's different. Right. It's also, (laughs) it's also, let's, let's, let's be realistic. And what's in, what's in your wheelhouse. Right. That's, that's a different conversation, but I'm not going to criticize you for taking the opportunity. Um, I I can tell you countless times, Christine Nairn is a player that played with me at Penn state and she was notorious for shooting 30 yards out. And while sometimes I got frustrated because I was standing on the top of the 18 wide open, I was never going to actually criticize her because I knew she was more than capable of hitting that shot. Right. And when she hit that shot, we all celebrated. (laughs) So, um, so again, I'm, I think it's giving the players license to do so um, that there will never be a a consequence or a negative reaction from me or a negative response from me. You're not doing push-ups for taking for Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the, the scenario that I referenced earlier is a scenario where we might be doing some push-ups, or, or you might, cause you're going to drive me crazy, right? If you're on the six yard box and the ball's <laughs> going over the bar, right? Like that, that is an issue to me that we have to address and we have to change something. So you asked about how, 
how to how to actually coach that up um and i think for me it's you talked about being a natural born goal scorer i don't know necessarily know if that would be true um because i look at and, and granted i'm sure maybe some of it was just like my own personal <laughs> skill set but but like my my freshman year i scored five goals and my sophomore year i scored 31 and to me the biggest difference one is probably an adjustment to college but two that spring I started, um, we, we did something at Penn State called Finishing Club, and that is something that I will forever do, forever, <laughs> as a player, as a coach, whatever it is. Um, it's, and it's, all it is is repetition finishing. It's, it's in the box. It's in and around the box. It's not striking a ball from 30 yards out over and over again. It's within, the, within 18 yards from different angles, repetition finishing. Um, and to me, it builds a mentality and it builds composure, um, two things that are, are super important. And so that's, to me, that's my how, that's, that's how you do it. Um, and like, to give you an example, when I first got to Auburn, um, James actually just signed on, ironically, I, I <laughs> my, myself and James Armstrong, um, I, ca I came with finishing club and I told them, I was like, I, I believe strongly in it. It was a difference maker for me. Um, and we did it that preseason and we did it pretty much that entire season. Um, and we ended up that season that it was the 2018 season uh we went nine and zero in non-conference and scored like over 30 goals in the first nine games and that's like wasn't notorious um to them um and so again just different make different difference makers right and um it shows the the impact to me that that type of training that can that it can have and don't get me wrong we have tons of fun with it <laughs> um but again it's a difference maker so i think that giving the players the license to do so be creative um and i think the more that they can develop those relationships on the field and that understanding of one another on the field um you'll have great success um, that's just a little I, bit a little tidbit of my how i'm already imagining you out there clowning them when they're not going for it i'm imagining ken's, <laughs> ken's logged on here ken's now imagining you ripping it from 25 you know <laughs> it's it's all my imagination is going wild i cannot wait for soccer to come back of course uh you know we have a, a couple months until that happens or you know more than a month until that happens but maya you gave us a nice taste of you know our excitement for go for soccer to come back until then obviously we will be following the NWSL, and you know, I'm assuming you're from Jersey. I'm a I'm assuming you're you're cheering Sky Blue. I don't know. I feel like I have to. I feel like I can't not. But what's the hard part is like so many of my teammates from my time at Sky Blue are now spread across multiple teams. Right. So there is a part of me that like <laughs> if they're playing each other, I'm like, all right, well, I'll just can, I'll just stay well, neutral. I'll stay neutral. You, you can watch it the way I watch it, which is Minnesota doesn't have a team. No one close there, to us has a team. There you go. I, I'm tuning in, in the way I watch a World Cup, which is just let's watch some great soccer. Yes. Let's, let's consume yes. all of this stuff. Um, yes. So, Maya, thanks so much. We took a ton of your time. Um, no, no problem. Maya Hayes coming in as the new assistant coach with the, the Gopher Soccer Program, um, coming up from, from Auburn, previously played professionally in the NWSL, was a stud at Penn State. You just heard about <laughs> 31 goals in the season. So, Maya, really look forward to uh, seeing you in Minnesota soon, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.